Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. BMWfilms.com presents a podcast. Uh, okay. That makes it sound like they're supporting this, which they they're are not. not. But if they want to give me like a roadster, you know, I'll take it. Yeah. And I'm afraid of cars. Hello, everybody. My <laughs> name is Griffin Newman. I am David Sims. Uh, this is Blank Check with Griffin and David. Uh, it's been pointed out to me that I, there's probably a direct relationship between uh, my fear of cars in real life and my love of car movies. Oh, like it's like how you like to sort of walk up to the edge of the cliff, but you know, and go like, oh, right, like that. Right, right. That it's almost like for me watching like really weird gonzo porn or something where I'm just like, I can't believe anyone would do this, you okay. know? Right. You so know? that's why you like a car chase. My right? Fast and Furious, my, my, my Mad Maxes. Okay. Uh, cars, which I don't know if you've heard this, but Cars 3 makes cars. Cars 2 makes cars. You can't remember the joke. It's that Cars 2 makes Cars 3 look like Cars 1? That's what it is. So that's saying that Cars 2 is the worst. Correct. So 3 is better. Correct. And 1 is the best. Correct. It's really just a way of you saying my Cars films ranked by preference are 1, 3, 2. You guys want to start over? (laughs) No, no, keep it going. Oh, I think, I mean, this is going to be the one. Yeah, keep it in double it. (laughs) This will get us all the listeners. This is the one. Yeah, exactly. This is our first, I mean, look, I got to say, the game has changed because this is our first podcast post the envelope bit. Oh, and, and it does feel like the, the right. whole the axum is like, you know, honestly, I listen back today and even though it's great on audio, it almost doesn't capture how crazy I felt when that happened. That was my fear was that it right. wouldn't translate. We are all. basically just sort of like pushing away from the desk, kind of like holding our head in our hands, you right. know, a lot of non audio audio bits. I think it's still, it still works. I realize I said the axiom has changed when I meant to say the axis changed, but, um, I, I do feel like, uh, it's one of those things where people think they get it. Sure. Like I see our listeners going like, that's the greatest bit in the history of podcasting, which it is, but we have to be those assholes who are like, it was even better live. Yeah. You know, it's like you watch the Woodstock film and you're like, well made captures the spirit. And you're like, you had to be there, baby. Right. You had or to take Woodstock. At least, like, you had to be near there. Right. Kind of hanging out. Dealing with your dad. And right, shit. exactly. Yeah. Like, bleach, putting in, bleach the in the pool. Right. Yeah, janks. Charging for towels. Yeah. Uh, this is a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers and given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy and passion projects they want. Sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce. Baby. Yeah. And this is our bonus little wrap up episode on our buddy Ang Lee. And it's a short film that he made called The Chosen. Uh, yes. And it's part of a series called The Hire. Uh, part of the first season. Yes. And this was kind of a, a landmark thing in a lot of ways. I mean, this is like the first big example of like branded content where it was like a company putting millions of dollars into giving artists a blank check. Sure. Sort of. Sort of. Sort of. A BMW blank check. Right. And, looking it up. and going like, we will get the positive associations of being the benefactors of this thing. And I, yeah, to and some, it worked. I, to some degree, think there's a future where 20 years from now, most of our content is made in this way. Like, it's like, I'm so excited to make this movie with Uber and like, it's a great movie about all this. And then, yeah, at one point someone's going to take an Uber. Like, 
or or even less of an association maybe that it's just like Coca-Cola makes fucking TV shows and you just have to go to Coca-Cola's website and they never mention Coke in the show but at the beginning and the end there's a Coke ad and you're just like well, I guess Coke's a pretty cool company like I feel like it correlates with like people not judging the platforms they're watching things on and companies yeah, you mean how selling out like right. isn't a thing anymore. And companies right. realizing that people are smart to advertising now and that they know all companies are evil, that the only way for them to look good is to be like, oh, this company like bankrolled like the lost city of Z. I guess they care about the art, you know? Bankrolled it, but then released it in April? Hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, though? Yeah, I do. But this was uh, early 2000s. 2001. Yeah. And uh, BMW hired like five of the best filmmakers in the game. People at different levels of their career. I mean, John Frankenheimer. Yeah. So Inaratu, they, who was kind of on the up and up at this point. He's post Amores Peros. That's right. it, I think, for him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ang Lee. Who was coming Ang off Lee. of Crouching Tiger. So he's sort of at like and, his peak. And then, yeah, Wong Kar Wai coming off of like In the Mood for Love. Right. So like beloved art house. Yeah. Uh, Hong Kong film director, but not, I guess, a, as right. big a name in America. And then yet. it was Joe Carnahan was the last one? No, no, that's season, season two. two okay. Season two is when they hired all high octane filmmakers right. John Woo, Joe Carnahan, and Tony Scott. Right. And right. all of those shorts are like extremely sort of buzzy and expensive. Yes. Whereas these tend to be a little quieter. Yes. Yeah. And then they tried to start it again. In 2016, Correct. Neil Blomkamp did one, and then no one paid attention, and that was that. Yeah. Right? Like, it re- I, I didn't even know they'd done it. Yeah, I only found that out through the Wikipedia entry. But the first one kind of made a really big splash, because they were, like, not commercials. Like, they were shorts centered around a car, but you have Clive Owen, who at that moment was like, this is the next big movie star. That, that was a lot of it, I think. A lot of the, it. The Clive Owen thing. Right. That he had been sort of this British breakout in like Croupier. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, and like oh. Gosford Park this year. Right. Yeah. Someone's going to make him into a big thing. He, I forgot, was the odds on favor to be James Bond. Like You when forgot that? The newspapers. No, I remembered it at the time. But, but I, I guess just, you didn't live in England. Because I know. All right. Shut up. And don't cut that stop, out. No, don't cut it out. Look. In England, like literally, especially when it's sort of time, like as it is now for yes. a new Bond, it's like it is so heavily discussed. Like the I sort of know five to ten people. That the culture right. in England is they will like the papers will be running as if it's like a competition. Yeah, yeah. for that and like Doctor Who. Race. Now I feel like yeah, they do Doctor the same Who thing. a little bit too. But so but that's they a TV role. They and list, this is a movie. They role. list yeah. the odds though. Like I oh, remember like before Peter Capaldi got announced, it was like you know like two to one odds that. Shuatel Edgy of four gets announced as Doctor Who. Yeah, there there would be those things where like people would start betting and the odds would sort of respond to that. And right. so suddenly people would jump up the odds and people yeah. would be like, oh, do they know something? But then often it would just sort of be some weird speculation boom. Right. Like, yeah. But Craig was sort of seen as like Clive. the dark. I'm oh. saying Craig was seen as the dark horse dark, choice. Dark horse. Clive he was, was seen as the seen obvious as one. Layer yeah. cake sort of changed it a little bit, but people are still bit. like He's blonde. He's a little too rough around the edges. He's he's too scary. Not yeah. hot enough. He's like intense, those were, right. which is sort of funny to think about now. But right. those were the hits on him. And, and yes, people were furious. James Blonde was like the big so, like I mean, people, rag. People are always so stupid. And the crazy thing is, when they announced that it was him, they released a promo image of like him wearing a tux with a gun, and they tried to make him look a little more classical James Bond. And in the promo image, they like photoshopped his hair dark. Right. Yeah, he looks weird. weird. I remember the picture. Just to talk about this more, like, 
Craig was the first time, like they would always hire the guy who was always kind of the second choice for the role to begin with. Like that's right. who Roger Moore was. Yeah. That's who Timothy Dalton was. And that's who Pierce Brosnan was. Pierce was, was like, definitely. And then it, like, it was Remington like Pierce, Steel like they had tried like, to right. hire him. Right. Exactly. You know, and like, so when they would hire them, it'd be like, oh yeah. Okay. That's right. logical. Craig was the first time where it was like, oh, well, like I didn't, I didn't think they were going to do that. It was yeah. like Clive Owen. There were like two, I mean, Henry Cavill. Mm-hmm. There were a couple other like obvious guys who were sort of just like handsome yeah. Englishmen look good in a suit. Right. Just were sort of always I mean, floating Hugh Jackman around. was heavily rumored at the time. It was never going to happen. That was nonsense. That was, that was never But he happen. was apparently campaigning for it very hard, sure. but it was never going to happen. Um, but yeah, the, the Craig thing was surprising and it ended up being sort of a statement of attempt. But at the time, Clive Owen was seen as the heir apparent. Yeah, and I think I've never understood. I think he's probably reporting as to why he didn't get the role. Maybe it was just that he was too obvious. I read a recent interview with him. I was going down this rabbit hole the other day online, and he was like, I never had any conversations about it. Maybe I was being discussed a lot internally with them, but I never had any talks with anybody. Barbara Broccoli makes that call, you know? Yeah. And I don't know how much she meets with people before she makes that call or, or any of that, right? Um, but but anyway, this was sort of seen as a stepping stone for Clive Owen, who for then sure. does uh, Born Identity, has like a big supporting role. He's the villain. And or then villain. proceeds to uh, always flop whenever he's the leading man. Yeah. Has one of these careers where you're just like, oh, I guess that guy is poison. He gets that Oscar nomination for Closer. And right. I think people are like, oh, and then, yeah. And then he doesn't really capitalize on that. He's one of those really, really fucking good actors who also has movie star qualities. <laughs> and it's never totally... Click. I feel like Josh Brolin was kind of in a similar position until his big year of the Berlin. But every time Josh Brolin was the lead in the movie, it would bomb so fucking hard. Yeah. And people were like, this is such a good actor and he's a movie star. Why is this not connecting? Um, but this is like Clive Owen's position. They get all these big directors and they're like, all you got to do is he's the wheel man and he's like delivering shit. Which Rupert then, Friend and Goran Viznich are the others who are in the mix. That's in the serious mix. So weird. It is weird. Goran Viznich makes almost no sense. He's very handsome. Very handsome. Very bizarre. Yeah. Um, Luke Besson openly ripped off this concept for the transporter. Mm-hmm. The transporter yeah. movies are just right. the higher. What if you could just hire a guy to drive a thing to another right. place, and the thing is ooh. Weird. Right. There's something interesting about the thing. And it's a Whatever cool, it it's chilly thing from British Four. man with a sly yeah. sense of humor. Right. Um, but, uh, but, but these... Clive Owen's actually Irish. But yes. Is he really? I think so. I'll look it up. Wow. Um, he's one of those one guys... One of those stealth, you know. He's one of those guys where when I was like growing up and women were like, oh my God, he's so handsome. I'd be like, really? That craggle face guy with the round nose? I take it back. He's not Irish. I just made that yeah, up. Yeah, thank you. Fucking lying. I mean, Pierce Brosnan's Irish. Maybe I was just thinking that. Pierce anyway. Brosnan's Irish. Yeah. Uh, but you, now wait, I you thought it. he was too craggy face? Oh. I thought he was craggy. I, I thought he was so sexy. When I was a kid, I could not see handsomeness in crag faces. Mm. Daniel Craig was the same thing for me, where I was like, he's got a weird face. People find him attractive. And he's now, got a bit of an odd face. I saw him come on in a taxi TV recently. He's the spokesman for something. And I was like, I fucking get it. Yeah, he's he's handsome. Yeah, and he's just charming as all get out. The higher. So th- these don't really have a chronology. These first, uh, this is interesting. The first season is produced by David Fincher. Mm-hmm. And the second season was produced by Ridley and Tony Scott. Yeah. 
And that also perhaps explains the sort of shift in tone. I think so. Because uh, Fincher went off to do Panic Room. Right. And yeah. then they become more sort of conventional action shorts. Yeah. Although I like the t- the Tony Scott one I remember being, it's funny and weird. I kind of liked all of them. Yeah. They mostly existed on their website at the time. This was like pre, a, a you know, a YouTube, anything in, like in that. In England, they would play them in front of movies. Really? Yes. Yeah. I saw them all the time in front wow. of movies. That never happened here. Yeah. The England two things loves here. pre-roll. The okay. pre-roll is like long. And cut that out. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I do miss that kind of stuff. I right. wish more uh, pre-roll existed like that. Um, there is sometimes when you go into the movie, they're like, uh, bottle, you know, Sprite has sponsored this short film after short film competition. It's a short film about like how you enjoy a bottle of Sprite. Right. The other thing that I, that's gone on over time is so short films have gotten shorter and shorter where yeah. now they're literally they're 15 seconds, 15 second Sprite ads. Like <laughs> they used to be like, here's a 90 second, like <laughs> yeah. little gag, like a little skit that ends with a Sprite placement. And now they're just like, uh, one Sprite please. And then that's the end credits. And you always feel so sad because it's like two film students who are like, Hi, I'm Jack Tomlinson, and I'm Tom Jackinson, and we made the we won the competition. And then you cut to it, and it's like, uh, make it two sprites, and that's the end. <laughs> and you're like, that's your prize? Is you got to make that? <laughs> Sprite is a delicious lemon lime. It doesn't even finish. <laughs> what was the second fruit? <laughs> but, but like, yeah, I like that in other countries you actually get some some shit. Like I have C Center will in New York will play like yeah, little, play little nice documentaries. Little Pixar movies, obviously yeah. does it. Disney Animation now does it. But I always thought it was cool when it seemed like Marvel was maybe going to move in that direction. Oh, actually, wasn't Lava technically one of the higher movies? Well, I Lava you. <laughs> okay. I love my curvy volcano. Um, <laughs> so these didn't play in theaters here. Mm. You could you watch could, them on the website. Yeah, or, you could get a DVD. But this was the you big thing. You went to a BMD dealership. They right. like ran the fuck out. Like they'd make them as an incentive for people to go to a BMW dealership and then people would buy them and flip them on eBay and they started going for like $100 a pop. They like would run out immediately. Yeah. So then they produced more. Yeah. Um, but uh, Forrest Whitaker is in the Wong Kar Wai one I want to say correct and he ba- banned it from being on the first DVD because well no the first DVD the first printing it was on there and then he executed a thing in his contract that said that uh, it would only be shown on the internet so then right. they didn't have them on the DVDs anymore so then the ones with the Forrest Whitaker one became really valuable then now they're then they eventually did a DVD with them back they, right. he, I guess they figured it out with him and now these shorts are available again because they're, they're a like thousand videos. But there was like a, a period where these were really hard to watch mm-hmm. and find. The Wong Kar Wai one is excellent. I think they're all pretty good. The Wong Kar Wai one is yeah, excellent. Yeah, that's the best one. Uh, this one is f- fun. And uh, the Frankenheimer one I don't remember very well. Yeah. Um, the thing, Tony Scott one's really good. The thing that's really interesting about this one, The Chosen, is that... Oh, the one that's directed by Guy Ritchie. I forgot about that one. That's the other one. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, that one blows. That sucks. Blows chunks. Yeah. Um, The the Ang Lee one was interesting because it felt at this moment like, oh, maybe Ang Lee has remade himself as just an action director. Like when you went like- Post Crouching Tiger, pre-Hulk. Yeah. So when you just hear, okay, you just did Crouching Tiger, which was like an art house action movie, but then played like a blockbuster. Now he's going to make a big action film for Universal- us and our naivete assuming that Hulk was going to be a conventional action movie. Right. We were like, maybe he is now a John Frankenheimer. Right. You know, maybe that's his new mold now. So it felt like, okay, this is him like playing in that zone. 
And now you watch this and you're like, I don't know if you had this reaction, but watching this short made me more excited for Gemini Man now. Interesting. Because I'm like, he hasn't played in a pure action space. I know. He hasn't just made like a fun genre movie. And we talk so much about how fucking good the action is in Crouching Tiger. And a lot of that's the choreography. You have Mm -hmm. to give your credit, right? Oh, yeah. But that movie is, he has such a good understanding of how to construct an action set piece. Sure. In terms of coverage, in terms of editing, and even sound mixing and score and all those things. And then this is another short where it's just like his fucking car chase is just so clean and sparse, you know, and economic and effective where you're just like, I kind of want to see him like shoot guys punching each other again. Like I want to see if he's still got this punch guys shooting each other. I'd love to see him punch guys shooting each other. (laughs) Ben like that. Hey Ben, did you watch this little short movie? No. (laughs) Cool. Cool. So you would say you're, you did not choose it. No. Hey uh, David. Yeah. I got a quick uh, question for you. Okay. Uh, do you like diving deep into a director's complete filmographies? Absolutely. Uh, I've actually been known to do that once in a while. But certainly not on microphone. No, 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 no. Never. Well, okay. More important question. Uh, can you quote Kevin Bacon's best film Tremors word for word? Sure. Probably. Yeah. I mean, because you are a Kevin Bacon, a Bacon fan, right? Head, you like to put a little bacon actor. on the dish? Uh, I like to put a little bacon on the dish. Well, That's right. David, I got great news for you. Yeah. Because those are two things you like doing. Yes. And because you have no outlet to do them on your own podcast. What if I could recommend a podcast for you to listen to? Okay. The Storm of Spoilers oh, podcast is I for you, the David. Storm of Spoilers podcast. Look, it started out as a show about Game of Thrones. That's true. Much like every show started out as a show about Game of Thrones. Or some other extended franchise. Right, or a serial parody. Right. But it's become a podcast that now covers all of your pop culture obsessions. Mm. From Star Wars, a thing we never talk about on this podcast, to the complete works of Kerry Fukunaga, something we probably won't have reason to talk about maybe four or five years from now. Yeah, give him a couple more. Yeah, yeah, and then we can talk about him. Some podcasts take several episodes to cover director's filmography. Lame. Sounds too long. Extended. Unsustainable. Yeah. Your hosts at Storm of Spoilers have been known to cram it all into one. Saves time. It's like listening to a podcast at ten times the speed. It's like the Geico of podcasting. Right. Here's the thing, David. I'm going to tell you this very secretly. Okay. Okay. The name Storm of Spoilers is a pun on George R.R. Martin's book. Oh, yeah. A Storm of Swords. I read it. Much like Logan's a Western. (laughs) And while the show does like to dig into behind the scenes info, it's not an all spoilers podcast anymore. It's a good storm now. Okay. Like Oro Monroe. Ah, the best storm. Master thief. Yeah. Not, Not like these hurricanes. They're bad. Like Reuben Carter. No no matter what. <laughs> Wait a second. Storm He's of cool. Spoilers host Neil Miller, Joanna Robinson, Joe Rowe, friend of the show, and Dave Gonzalez are always unflinchingly honest in their coverage of the film and TV you can't live without. Sometimes they cheer and sometimes they denounce. B. I feel like the person who wrote this might have liked our show a little I bit. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's available now on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you're already <laughs> downloading podcasts like Blank Check with Griffin and David. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. The BMW 540i is the car the featured car. in this film. Because in the second season, it's all the same car. But in this one, I think each movie had a different car. They had to showcase them. Yeah. 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 And they really don't, like, besides the fact that these are centered around, like, car chases or car stunts. It's, it's not like there are scenes where it's like, oh, I love this leather interior. No, that's the thing that, that they was don't what was do. revolutionary. There's not some yeah. scene where it's suddenly they're just driving for a bit, like, in between 
scenes. Yeah. And Clive Owen's like, yeah, you know, this power steering and, uh, you, you see know. him use the different features. Like the car is really just sort of like a central prop. It was a good idea. Whoever thought of this Boosted idea is their sales smart. so fucking Because, right, high. it was just basically the, the the memo is like, cool people drive BMWs. Right. Also, this is the time when BMW sponsored James Bond. Yes. And so Pierce Brosnan, Pierce Brosnan's Bond drives a BMW for three Bond movies, mm-hmm. which in Britain was seen as basically like a national embarrassment. Really? Yeah, fury. that He was driving a German car. It was like so bad. And when he, the Aston Martin came back, I think for In Die Another Day, mm-hmm. People were like, oh, thank God. Like, oh, Britain really was on the rocks there. And did did uh, BMW still made his ice parasol for... Uh, yeah, I think BMW got, uh, yeah, got bumped down to parachute. His ice parasol. <laughs> but isn't that what he does? Does he, he like windsurfs on the ice? I think, no, he windsurfs, because remember, it's like there's ice, and then right. there's this sun laser that like vaporizes <sighs> yeah. the ice. Yeah. And so he like, yeah, ejects, and he rides like a tsunami... With right. a parasailing right, thing. Right. But that the, was my joke. But yeah. it's like the CGI is him, you yeah. know, a little dot. And then you cut to Pierce Brosnan just sort of going like, yeah, <laughs> like this. Like, it'd be clearly like one day at a green screen, just like wobble around. And you're also like, oh, he is 60 now. Yeah, right. He's an older man. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it's easier, I think, to film older men doing practical fight choreography because they can make it part of the character that yeah, they're, they're moving a little, a little slower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you have them do crazy CGI stuff, you're just like, my dad wouldn't do that, but, you know? And, you know, Brosnan is the last Bond, and he is the same. All Bonds until Brosnan were this way. We're like, yeah. he's just a person. Yeah. Like, Craig is the one where you're like, oh, it feels like if I punched him, my my hand would shatter. Like, he's <laughs> made of iron. Right. Like, he's sort of, like, built. And, like, it's probably only going to get more so. The other part of that is that, like, um, Craig kind of plays him like a psychopath. Well, Which yeah, makes right. him scary. Craig has cold, dead eyes. Right. The other Bonds were not scary. <laughs> no, well, Connery is scary, I would say. He's quite scary. The I'd others say, are. I would are say less he's so. threatening versus scary. No, Connery is a psycho. Connery's crazy. Uh, like the thing where he tosses the toaster in the bathtub. I mean, he does. Oh, that's he does shit in those movies that's crazy. And he's just like, oh. Yeah, well, you're like, the, oh diff- my God. the difference is that he like sort of like raises his eyebrow at the end of a little it. bit right he turns and to the then, camera you know, gives dreamworks more is quite quite soft and lovely right. you know and not so scary yeah mr prickle pants brosnan mostly is is just quippy but he does have moments where he's a little nastier yeah. and you're like oh you forgot right. mr prickle pants uh dalton yeah yeah he's 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 intense he yeah. was before craig he was, he was seen as the yeah. steely bond right yeah Cause mostly because he made that movie where he just murders people. Yes. License to kill. Zodiac, right. <laughs> Let's just talk about James Bond. Yeah. I mean, when this movie, I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's a, a Mason Lee, Angley's son. Right. Plays a little like Dalai Lama-esque, you know, chosen boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Craig drives him around. There, I mean, Craig, yes. fucking Clive Owen. Right. Which is, this feels like the one that maybe Transporter is ripping off the most. Because the first Transporter is the young girl. Right. Um, and that juxtaposition makes it a little more interesting than the other ones where it's like you have a kid in there and he's yeah. sort of like not really suited to be dealing with a kid. Kid gives him a small box. It's going to be important later. It's going to oh. be important later. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but the kid is some sort of new spiritual hey, deity, Dalai a Dalai Lama. Yeah. Right. Drops him off and sees that the guy he's handing the kid off There's a to. car chase first and some right. guns. Really, I mean, it's hard that. to describe a car chase, but yeah, it's, it's good. Well, it's, there's that one thing where the guy shoots the one bullet, I guess. That's right. kind of cool. But it's like good, clean, practical yeah, action filmmaking. And then, right, he takes him to the guy and the guy's like, oh, thank you. But 
Can't fool the driver. Right. He notices that the, the boots are off. Right. He's wearing like cowboy boots, right? Yeah. And he's like, something odd's going on here. So then the driver, after what feels like that should have been the happy ending, right. sort of cases the joint, realizes they're about to inject the kid. With purple goo? Yeah. I mean, these things are light on plot. Yes. <laughs> light on detail, I very, guess. Very little dialogue. Yeah, like, yeah, they're yeah. stylistic Because the idea is the driver barely talks. Right. He's almost silent. Right. He does say a little bit. Right. He saves the kid, but in the process, his ear gets nicked. Mm-hmm. He's rescued the kid. He goes back to the car. He opens up the box. What's inside the box? Hulk Band-Aid. And Ang Lee's like, winky wink, winky right. wink. Bye, BMW. Goodbye. Yeah. I made... It's definitely millions of dollars to do right. this. Goodbye. <laughs> but that's why I'm saying this feels like a statement of intent where it's like, here comes Ang Lee, fucking action filmmaker. I'm staying in this lane, baby. I'm using an action short to, to point to the rafters. Babe Ruth, call my shot. Here comes another beloved action classic. And then it's like, familial sins of the father psychodrama? You, the, the Hulk's a great movie. His Hulk's best. a great movie. Yeah. Um, I just, I just sort of love that, but I, I do think like, cause we've said like, what the fuck is Gemini man? Like not in a derisive way, but like, why is he doing that? It, yeah. I don't know. I mean, apart from the appeals of the tech, like the de-aging, right. which, and, and also I, I got a scoop, which I shared with you guys recently mm-hmm. that I'm not going to say on mic cause it's right. private information, yeah. but have heard now some Intel about the shit that, that makes a little sense where right. let's just put it this way. Ang Lee's up to his old tricks. Oh yeah, he's up. He's to not good. dropping his crazy tech anytime. Maybe he so. is up to yeah, good. I actually, what? Um, I didn't really like uh, read anything about Gemini Man. Yeah. What does it have to do with horoscopes? <laughs> I honestly, maybe it has a lot to do with horoscopes. I really don't know. What if it's it's actually just a romantic comedy about the guy who writes the horoscopes? I'd be into that. Yeah. Um, I I just think like oh, after Billy Lynn. If he still is on this kick of trying to revolutionize filmmaking, maybe the way he gets to do that now isn't in a blank check way where he can apply the technology to whatever he wants. Maybe he has to sign on to big studio package films right? and then use that as a vehicle to push his shit. Which, to me, I just go like, I feel, I feel a little bit of a sense of loss of a, this is a man very connected with a place, Ang Lee into the, this is a man who's trying to shatter the window of cinema angly. Right. Because I do think he was one of the great, I don't mean to put it in the past tense, but is capable of being one of the great, like, evoking a real sense of place and feeling. David is turning around, I'm aware. No, I was going to say, speaking of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? That, like, my, my one semester of film school, Semester and change. Sure. Uh, James Benning, who's like I a, can't imagine you in college. I, really. I was so bad at it. <laughs> How are you at like showing up to class? So good at it. <laughs> really? So I, I did On a- On time? I did, yeah. I did a full first semester, right? What happened? And yeah, I no, killed sorry. it. And at the end of it, I was like, I'm losing my mind. Called my parents, was like, I'm dropping out. They were right. like, eh, not so fast. Right. I came back home for the holidays, mm-hmm. then went back for another semester- and was there for two months and was a disaster. Mm. Like, then I was a disaster, didn't show up to class, stayed under the covers, like oh. watching Bob Newhart show and drinking Mike's Heart Lemonade. And I was just like a fucking mess. <laughs> watching the Bob Newhart show. So not Newhart, the Bob Newhart show. The Bob show. Newhart show, the therapist one. Yeah, it's good. It's the better one. The better one. Drinking Mike's Hard Lemonade. Correct. Just drink lemonade. Nope. Or vodka. No, sir. <laughs> 
That's just poison. That's a real griff. Don't put drink. sugar in the mix. Yeah. No, it was a real God. griff drink. This was sad 19-year-old griff. Yep. Um, but I was, yeah, I was a disaster then. I couldn't imagine you, like, writing a term paper. Here's the thing. So, What about uh, the beauty shop thing? Oh, Jesus. All right, yeah. I blocked that out completely. I had a class where we had to write a paper every single week. Oh, man. And I was so good at them, but it was like I had the free period right between lunch and that class. Mm. And I would literally write it after lunch. Like, I'd just be like, you have 35 minutes. Nice. And I would write this, like, three-page paper. And I got, like, really fucking good grades on them. Like, better than... This is the one thing you have to understand is I like came to school and everyone was like, you're good. Like I got there and all the teachers were like, you're, you're, you're good. And I was like, oh shit. I'm like the golden boy. And then I bottomed out so right. fucking hard. Yeah. Um, but I wrote like four different term papers on the whiz and got like A pluses on all of them. Which yeah. was like my big point of pride. But the thing I was going to say was there was a class I really wanted to take and they wouldn't let me take it because they were like, we try to save this for juniors and seniors. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be here this long. But do you, you know James Benning, right? Yeah. Right. Who's like an experimental filmmaker and his big thing is he'll make a movie like, like RR, which is his railroad movie. And it's just a series of shots of train tracks that are interrupted by the train coming. And it's like repeated like setups and you don't know how long you're going to have to wait for the train and stuff like that. And he used to teach a class called Looking and Listening. That was, he would take the class and bring them to a location and they would just stay in that location for like two hours. And no one could speak. And you just had to look and listen to everything. Like, I'm going to take you to a mountaintop. And I was always like, I kind of love that that's a class at a film school. It was one of the things that made me want to go to this school that I shouldn't have gone to in the first place. Sure. Was the idea of like, it's just as important as the technical stuff to have a really strong sense of a place and environment and a vibe and all of that and really make you like focus in on that. And Ang Lee up until he started becoming crazy with technology was like one of the best living filmmakers at that. Love the space. Right. Love. And like you go to Brokeback and you're like, I feel that fucking mountain in the same way wow. that you like. Coogan's doing a lot of lifting there. Steve Coogan. Is, I mean, that's a great performance, but I'm saying he knows how to shoot that performance. <laughs> I'm not letting that dumb joke die in the same way that like the houses in ice storm feel like very well observed and the countryside's a sense of sensibility and i feel a sense of loss in him going into a very digital world because something like life of pi it's like him creating an environment rather than him being able to really feel an environment and know how to capture it um but who knows who knows who knows where we go i'm very excited for gemini man Partly the angly of it all, but partly just like I'm so thirsty for like a, a successful Will Smith project. Me too. And we love Will and we haven't got to talk about him much on this show. No, apart from After, After Earth, Earth. Is that the only one? Is that really? And we talk about Men in Black 2 all the time. But that might be the only movie of his we've covered. And I think A. Well, we're going to have more chances soon, I bet. Wink, wink. Uh, always excited for a potential Big Willie comeback. Mm-hmm. And be, oh, Suicide Squad. Ugh. Oh, that's I knew it. I knew right. there was another one. Yeah, and also it's exciting when there's a big budget original action film. It is. It's so rare, which it's used true. to feel like a Will Smith thing, even if it's based off a sh- short story. No, it's no, no, something no. that yeah. doesn't have a built-in fan yeah. base. Yeah, where you get to build something. The supporting cast is cool. Is Clive Owen in that? I believe so. Yes, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yes, it's got cool people in it. Sure, you know people like to work with uh, Ang Lee. Right, um, Gemini Man. Let's see. It's October. 
Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Clive Owen, Benedict Wong. Oh, who doesn't love Benedict? We should get him on. I, I, we met him once. We met him once. He yeah. weirdly, here's a fact that will blow everyone's minds. One of our least liked episodes, Talking Mall, uh-huh. recorded live at the party space at the Upright yeah, Citizens Brigade sure. Improv Festival, the worst place to record a podcast. Not great. Yeah. Benedict Wong was in the audience. He was. Because he's out. old buddies with uh, The Witch, Peter Surf and a Witch. Okay. My big blue friends. Yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, he just like came up to us while we were getting ready. Yeah. He's just like, oh, and I wait, you yeah. know, and like gave Peter a big hug. Like, let's go get sushi. He was filming Infinity War in Atlanta. Yeah. And, and he, had he hitched up. a ride on Downey Jr.'s private jet. He was like, anyone else want to go to New York? Yeah, he just pitched. Yeah. Apparently Downey Jr. was just like, hey, I'm going up to New York. Uh, who wants a ride? Right. Yeah, right. It was like him and Ruffalo and a couple other guys on the Downey Express. Yeah. And then uh, we just talked to him for a bit afterwards and we were both like so starstruck because that's our favorite kind of character actor. We love him. I love him. I've loved him since Sunshine. I think is probably the first time I've noticed him in a movie. He'd been in things like Look Around You, like little British yeah. comedy things. He made how a, he knows Peter. And The Surfing which Well, no, yeah. the way well, they no, know right. each they other. They did the Star Trek They thing did together. Star Trek live. They yeah. did like Star Trek on the on the West End in England. Yeah. He was Sulu and I think Peter was Kirk. No, he was the head Klingon. Oh, that's right. Yes. Peter was the villain. He's so tall, right? Yes, and and Benedict Wong was Sulu, yeah, and they've yeah, been yeah. friends since then. Yeah, uh, it was so funny because Benedict Wong was just like, we were like, "What's the Avengers like? How is that?" And he's just yeah. like, "Oh, crazy, oh, it's great, yeah. mate! It's oh, great. Oh, oh, running around. Oh. And he's literally like <laughs> stroking his long Wong beard, yeah, like he's yeah, got yeah. the long yeah. Wong like chin beard. What a good time that was. Yeah. Okay, so he's going to be on our next episode. Sure. Let's uh, get him on Gemini Man. He's our guest on Parent Trap. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's uh, before we wrap, let's do our Angley lists. Yes, you got yours. <clears throat> Figure it out. Okay, I'm gonna let you go first, That's and fine. I'll have my list. My Angley, there's 13 films, I <laughs> believe, right? Naughty 13, yeah. dangerous 13. Number, what should I go? Third, bottom to top or top to bottom? Let's go top to bottom. Okay, number one, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Wow. Number two, Sense and Sensibility. Unsurprising. Number three, Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. Mm-hmm. Number four, Brokeback Mountain. Mm-hmm. Number five, The Ice Storm. Okay. Number six, Hulk. I'll take it. Number seven, Wedding Banquet. Mm-hmm. Number eight, Ride with the Devil. Mm-hmm. Number nine, Life of Pi. Number 10, Lust Caution. All of those are movies I love. Sure. You know, I mean, like maybe like Ride, Pi, Lust mm-hmm. Caution are movies I like a lot. Sure. Number 11, Pushing Hands. Number 12, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Bring it up the rear, take him Woodstock. Wow. Okay. Number one, Hulk. Wow. <laughs> what a surprise. Stunned. Something you like that movie? A little bit. A little bit. Number two. I I I go broke back by a hair. Sure. By a hair. Good but movie. then Crouching Tiger. I mean, those are maybe almost tied for me. Okay. Uh number Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I go Hulk, then Ice Storm. Yeah, I thought Ice Storm would be your number two. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry. It's Hulk, then Ice Storm, then Broke Back, then Crouching Tiger. Sure. Then I go Eat Drink Man Woman. Sure. Then I go Number six. I go Wedding Banquet. Sure. You like that one? Then Less Caution, which really has grown for me since we watched it. Outrageous. Above Sense and Sensibility. Then I go Sense and Sensibility. <laughs> then I go. I go Life of Pi. Sure. Then Ride with the Devil. Sure. Then 
you know, then you got your grab bag at the end there. Right. I think my order for the grab bag, grab, grab bang, Jesus Christ. Oh I think my order for the grab Stop bag. Stop grabbing me. <laughs> that was funny. Yoink. I think my order is pushing hands, then Billy Lynn, then. We have the same bottom. Three. Right. You have to give Billy Lynn some credit for at least being a crazy experiment. I agree. Even if it doesn't necessarily work that much better dramatically. Although the good moments in Billy Lynn are better than the best moments in Taking What Suck. Taking What Suck has no highs. Taking What Suck is the obvious bottom. Right. Billy it Lynn has at least has big swings and they're the couple moments that really work. I agree. Yeah. I, Billy Lynn is too interesting to be bottom. Yeah. Taking What Suck suffers from a lack of interestingness. Yeah. And Pushing Hands gets the top of the grab bag because it has the scene where the grandpa plants himself in the kitchen and won't move. Yeah, it's a pretty good scene. <laughs> it's a good, a good bit. Pushing Hands gets plaudits for just being a movie with like a beginning, middle, and end. Like, you know, yeah. like uh, yes. uh, it has that over Billy Lynn where you're like, yeah, well, I mean, I know what happened in that movie and it all made sense and it was fine. Do like, you know that if you don't turn off the, the DVD for Billy Lynn, it just literally goes on forever? Really? Yeah. What do you mean? At the end of the credits, it just starts up with the next day in Billy Lynn's life. <laughs> and it just keeps on. <sighs> Billy Lynn is like space. It's literally just infinite. Ever expanding. Yeah, ever expanding. Uh, do you, uh, yeah, your dad. So uh, buy uh, Talking the Walk Oh, shirts. Talking the Walk shirts. Uh, your dad created. We've sold dozens. I don't understand this. No. I think we're at the point right now. We're like starting to get to the too big to fail moment where we're just going to start farting out shirts of everything. And then there's going to be the one humongous collapse. Yeah, I'm sure we'll figure out a way to fail. Um, um, but but for the time being, we got we got some things in the hopper for the holiday season. Yep. We're going to time it out with one of the uh, the T public sales. Yes. Because yeah, they'll yeah, do yeah. big like holiday sales. So we'll oh, have yeah. a bunch of new shirts coming out at a time where it will be affordable and you can buy them for the blankies in your life. We've yeah. got a couple good designs. Uh, I think people, ones people have been asking for for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got stuff. The great the Joe Bowen. Uh, uh, he's not the father of blankies, but he's the father of his daughter. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know, know if we should say, say her name. name. Yeah. Maybe blank that out or maybe keep it in double. It. Um, but big yeah, congratulations on becoming a father, Joe. Big Bowen. congrats to him. Um, and uh, and I've said it before, but I'll say it again. People like Joe Bowen, people like Ange, who have been working for the show forever, they get a good, healthy cut of those T-shirt sales. We wrote up a contract, and we were like, "This is a revenue source for us to be able to keep paying them." Yeah. Um. So just know if you if you buy merch, you're you're putting money in Joe's pocket. You're helping send his daughter to college. <laughs> the the blank check millions. Uh. Now next week. Yeah. Is it confirmed? I think let's confirm okay, it. Okay, okay. We're, we're going to do two... Two specials before we get to Nancy. I know everyone's thirsty for Nancy. There, there was a lot of hand-wringing about the order of these things because we have two things we want to do, and we just figured we'd done that in the past. Let's get back to that. Nancy will be uninterrupted other, this way. Right, right. Otherwise, Otherwise we're going to have to interrupt her. Yes. Uh, first off, the final sibling choice episode. <laughs> My brother feeling excluded, has demanded a blank check episode. Yes. So we'll be doing a Jamesy's choice, in which I probably will not call him Jamesy on mic because I think he's embarrassed that I call him that so much on this podcast. Right. James has picked the movie Space Jam. Yes. Which was sort of the one movie we thoroughly agreed on as children because he likes basketball and I like Bugs Bunny. We'll talk about Space Jam. We'll talk about Space Jam. A lot of context talk on that one. Mm-hmm. You think I'm joking? A lot of context talking oh, about. I'm shuddering at the math, the idea. Okay. It's not going to be some nostalgia critic 
fucking circle jerk. No. We're going we're to do a hard probing look oh, God. at the crass commercialism of Space Jam. Okay. And then the following week, we're, we're, doing, we're doing a new release. We haven't done one in a while. And usually we only do them for our franchises, our, our old director friends. But then sometimes we just do a Jack Reacher episode. Right. And there's a film here that, that you feel like it's, it's important to talk about. I think so. And it's a rare debut blank check. I think so. Yeah, we got to talk about it. We're talking Star is Born, baby. We're yeah. going to do a whole episode on Bradley Cooper Star is Born, the film that you predict is going to win him the Oscar for Best Actor. I do. I stand by that. Davey on the record. Yep. A good call to, for you to make before you saw the yeah. film, and now you're looking more and more correct. I'm looking good right now. You're looking real pretty. Yep. Thank uh, you. Your bags are glowing. <laughs> uh-huh. So, next week, Space Jam with James E. Newman. Yep. Following week, Star is Born. Week after that, the parent trap, and then we're off with Nancy. Mm-hmm. Nancy. Uh, any, anything else you want to say about Ang? No. I've enjoyed living in his films for Oh, it's a while. been great, but it's been a long, long run with Ang. It's been you a know, long run, and it's yeah, been even longer because we sort of took a big break for filming in between. We recorded mm-hmm. like 60%. And yeah, that's true. So it took us a while to get him We started recording Ang in like March, yeah. which is crazy, and now yeah. we're in September, yeah. coming up the end of September, and we're just finally putting him to bed. Yeah. Um, but it's been a pleasure. I mean, what what a weird fucking filmography. David's smiling. He's, He's great. I love him. I'm glad we did him. Like, smile. I knew he'd be fun and he was. He's probably more fun than I thought he would be. Yeah. And we we always wanted to. Yeah. Um, should I announce this here? I don't know. Our live event? Or do we feel like it's not officially been announced? Let's just say we have a live event in the works. Yes. Related to the Ang Lee miniseries. And we're excited to announce that as soon as we can. Right. Keep yes. your eyes posted on social media. Yes. Yes. But a lot of, a lot of blankies keep on asking about when we're going to do live events again, when we're going to do this, when we're going to do that. We got something I'm really excited about coming it's gonna up. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. So look forward to that. Buy your Talk in the Walk shirts. Tune into uh, Talk in the Walk 2019. You can look forward to that a year from now. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know anything else to say Ben, ben final thoughts I tried well yeah I tried to write some more fake a- advertisers oh oh they're not good though but let's 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 hear let's it. hear them okay hey, guys we got some sponsors we should shouldn't forget uh, yeah. to mention because the sponsors love to advertise on the bonuses yeah of course, yeah. Of course. Hot uh, so guys there's Bekeep Bekeep yeah, are you trying to find local beekeepers in your area? This this makes it so easy These to are- find them and to get them to your home uh-huh. or your place of business. <laughs> bees? No, the keepers. The keepers. Oh, the keepers themselves, right. The keepers yeah. of the bees. Although the bees might follow. You have obviously, and I think about how many promos Ben has had to listen to, not just our show, oh, but God, like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. many. We recorded a bunch of ads right before this, and Ben said we had just hit the 50 mark, doing 50 ad reads. Wow. That's insane. So then you think about like for Snooky, she must be up to 4,000. Yeah, it's a lot. Okay. All right. What else? What are, what are other sponsors? Well, of course, then, episode? guys. Of course. You're at the bar, you're short on money, and you're thirsty. Mm. Mm, classic situation. What are you going to do? Well, with Sipper, you can connect with people who have drinks. No E, I assume, right? S I P R. S I P P R. Two P's. And now also, it's a beta, but there's a new sort of like offshoot called bumper and that's more of like for illicit substances 
to get a bump. Got a little bump. How do right. these apps work? They hook you up with people who can you sound illegal. Like Sipper, you're sitting at a bar. The, yeah. I just want to investigate the internal logic. Please, of this. please. You're sitting at a bar. Uh-huh. You have no cash. Nothing. You take out your phone. You download Sipper. What happens next? <laughs> then you find someone in the bar who will let you take a little sip. Just a sip. So, so you the, get a sip. So the app tells you other Sipper users who are at the bar. Yeah. And if they're on the app, it means that they're they willing cooties, to let yeah. anyone else mm-hmm. come and take and just then, us. And then <laughs> you seamlessly give them like a dollar. Of course. A dollar per se. I mean, it's actually not a bad economy. Yeah, good little microtransaction. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What, what else, else we got? got? What else we got? Our final sponsor is Hems. So thank you all for listening. <laughs> Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. David's left the David. Yeah, I'm just, wow. just hanging out. Just actively full body email checking. <laughs> He's really putting his shoulders into it. Uh, thanks to Andrew Gudo for our social media. Joe Bowen and Pat Rounds for our artwork. Lane Montgomery for our theme song. Go to blankies.red.com for some real nerdy shit. Check out our merch on TeePublic. Yep. And as always... Beachbody and Demand would have been a better one to say. Wait, what? Beachbody on Demand. Oh, how about uh, Beefbody on Demand? Oh, yeah, see, that's good. Okay. Beefbody on Demand. You can turn your body into beef. Thank you for calling the Burger Report hotline. 802-8-BURGER. Please leave a message with your FAMO type of burger and location, and we will try to put it on the podcast if we can. That's 802-8-BURGER. Hey, I'm calling to leave a Burger Report. This happened on July 22nd of this year, 2018. Steve Harwell of the band Smash Mouth happened to come into the restaurant where I work, the Orchard City Kitchen in Campbell, the Orchard City of California. He came in on a Sunday morning for brunch and ordered himself our Loco Moco, which is technically, it involves a burger patty, um, it's a burger patty served over rice with egg and mushroom shallot gravy. It was a, uh, it was a lovely meal. He came in, tipped well, nice guy. It was a good time. And, uh, yeah, he came in, he ate that burger patty all good. It was effectively like a protein style burger. Yeah, it was a good day. Good time. Thanks for keeping this open. Have a good day. Hello, my name is Alejandro Villarreal. My burger report goes back 20 years. My family and I were vacationing in Los Angeles, and we dropped into this 1950s restaurant that had a burger theme. Now, mind you, this was 20 years ago, so I don't remember the name, but we saw Chris Rock, and he was dressed to the nines in a sharp suit with sunglasses indoors. He was with a friend, and he looked like he was having a good time. Now, I just want to mention, he had just presented at the Oscars. He presented this best special effects Oscar for Titanic. And I only bring up that detail because Griffin had mentioned it in the Titanic episode. So yeah, 1950s burgers. Wild. Hey, uh, I don't know if this is the right number, but uh, I am currently watching uh, Emilio Diaz, the uh, Blancarican, eat a excellent looking burger at the... Uh, if Bell Lightbox Bar. All right.